Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 jazz hands and scene. I missed y'all. I feel like it's been forever. It's been years, days, what? 24 days without a word. Is that 24 days? 24 hours? I don't know. Whatever Tony was saying, I feel like it's that times 2000. Um, I'm just glad to be here in 2018, you know, making it great. 8-2000 year, the year then we're all going to do better. Yeah, 2018 is going to come over here, sit down next to me, don't touch nothing, and behave yourself. Although I think right? I just said 2008, so I'm already not doing better. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. So how was your New Year's? Did you do anything special? Um, we just kept it chill. We well, Actually, you know how – I don't know if you have this issue, but when you have relatives in different – like we have two different families now, and basically we missed Thanksgiving and Christmas with my – mother-in-law so she was like do not even think that you're not going to be here on new year's eve i am i am like reserving she's like i'm calling i'm in, in advance i'm going to reserve you guys for new year's eve you're going to be here on my couch eating my food and it's done so that's where we were new year's eve. yeah oh so. that was cute just with the i mama. didn't i was supposed to spend uh because we spent christmas with ourselves and then i i hung up my family a little bit but for new year's we were spending it with um uh superman's sister but I got really sick. The flu like nearly took me out. So instead I spent it at home trying not to die. So I didn't die. I'm here. So that worked. So Mm -hmm. other than that, it was pretty uneventful. Well, let's start on a high note. Let's talk about Mama Oprah and these Golden Globes. And then we can can take out the trash later. All right, fine. (laughs) So Lady O, oh, Lady O, delivered the most amazing, inspiring speech. Nine full minutes where they did not even turn on the music because they knew better. Um, for Lady O, and it was just it was just what we needed to hear, and so I just wanna just wanna take a moment to say thank you, Oprah. You are the Queen B, the Queen O. I don't even need her to run for president. I don't, you know, I know that there's all this speculation about will she or won't she, but I I feel like I I, I don't even know if I, I don't know if Oprah being president. I mean, obviously, she, I think she'd be an amazing president, but I feel like right now we just need something to soothe our souls and. I feel like the entire Golden Globes, like Oprah's speech was definitely like the highlight. Like I basically just stopped watching after that. But the whole Globes with the Me Too movement and all the all the celebrities wearing black um, in solidarity to show that they, you know, for the Time's Up movement, um, it just feels like we're fine. Like, we're, like the, the fear around the whole Me Too movement was that, you know, is this like a flash in the pan? Is it really going to last? And is it going to like touch people's lives who aren't celebrities and who don't have huge platforms? And 
you know, lots and lots of money. And so to have the Time's Up movement that they started, they, you know, they put out that, they announced it on New Year's Day in this like massive, splashy, like New York Times one page ad. And it's 300 actresses, producers, um, like high powered women in Hollywood who are getting together. But they're not just, you know, initially I was like, ugh, like whatever. They're just, you know, it's it's rich celebrity women, you know, trying to create another sort of, um, you know, awareness movement around sexual harassment, which is fine. But what I really, what changed my mind about it was the fact that they are actually creating this legal defense fund. Oh, yes. Yes, which is meant to – they've already raised $13 million, but then they've opened up a GoFundMe account where you could contribute. And the funds in this legal defense fund are meant to reach women who are not in the same privileged position as, as them, as the founders of this movement, um, who may not be able to – like who aren't willing to speak up about what's happening to them at work because they're afraid of losing their jobs mm. or they don't have the resources to take people to court. I just love when people put their um, money where their mouth is. I mean, not literally, because that's nasty, but like, you know, figuratively, because it's like you could talk about it, but do you be about it? And so to see women like, you know, in power and positions of of power and, and wealth, quite honestly, to say, you know what, everyone is not in our position to come forward and um, and, and and be able to still support themselves. So we're going to do more than just like, talk about it you know we're going to do something and to see all the women were black except for the unfortunate few that clearly didn't get the memo they don't have friends i was like ma'am why are you wearing a red dress a red dress no one told you (laughs) i felt bad it was one lady in particular she wasn't on the group text (laughs) yeah you could tell she was like wait (laughs) i was like ma'am are you not in the secret facebook group where they said everybody were black don't play yourself and it wasn't even like she wore a dark green it was Cherry red with cutouts. And she was like, oh, um, I know. But um, no, it was just really great to see that, you know, even like the subtle, the not so subtle shade of celebs on stage, like Natalie Portman, when she said, and the uh, all male nominees for director are, <laughs> Ron Howard next to her looked like, yay, looked like Mike Myers when, um, when Kanye said, George Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He was like, that's not a awkward. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that needs to be a meme. Awkward. <laughs> and I was, it was just so dope to also, also see um, Tawana Burke, right? The, the woman that started the Me Too movement. Yep. Yeah, I love the fact that, like, you know, Michelle Williams brought her on the, the red carpet because I, I don't want, um, with all of this incredible momentum, that, that she, her name, her legacy, and what she started is lost you know, and taken over. So I'm just glad to see that that's happened. I think it made up for the fact that Time Magazine left her off the cover of Person of the Year when they named the Me Too movement. Yeah. The year. And they didn't put the founder on the cover, but um, she's she's doing she's doing just fine. She yeah, because a friend of mine is like friends with her and she she was the one who dropped the ball on um a New Year's, um, in New York on New Year's. And right, yeah. They were, yeah, they were out there lit with their their fur and their tents. I said, if you don't represent for the East Coast, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, now it's time to take out the trash. Let's talk about how somebody's president, not our president, um, is a tweetaholic. It's so crazy to see two grown men like him and um, um, Kim Jong... I, I'm not going to get the, the... Kim Jong-un. Yes. North Korea? Gonna... You mean North Korea? Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't yes. want to get his name wrong, and I don't want to be disrespectful of his name. 
because I have an African name and people were like, what? I'm like, girl, it's not hard. I mean, he is threatening to like blow us up all the time. So I wouldn't like be too upset at you if he didn't get his name right. Just saying. <laughs> Lil Kim. Why Lil Kim? Why Lil Rocket Man? <laughs> Lil Kim. Oh my God, yo. That is perfect. He who shall not be named a Lil Kim. We're going back and forth on Twitter. I'm like, what is happening? Is this real life? It just, uh, anyway. But, you know, a little gleam in my eye happened when um, Steve Bannon, um, um, Donald Trump's right hand, um, you know, decided to slap him with it. And I thought, this is great. I cannot wait. Well, now that Fire and Fury, so for those of you who don't know, there's a book that's come out. I guess it was written during the election, not during, well, during like the actual campaign time before the election happened. Is that when that book was written? I don't know when it was written, but it covers the, it covers the Trump campaign in its early days. Um, in the administration. And so Steve Bannon, who we've all come to hate, um, I, like just had some critical things to say about the president uh, during that time. And they showed up in the book, like he called him um, unpatriotic and said that um, that his meeting with Russia was treasonous. Basically true thing, true tea. Um, but of course the president was livid because he's five. Um, and, um, Steve Bannon has now been, uh, demoted and demoted again and demoted again so much so now that he's not even at his beloved media company, racist right wing media compute. What is it called? Bright, Bearheart? Bright, Breitbart. Breitbart. Same, same thing. <laughs> Bearheart. <laughs> same disrespectful thing. Um, so yeah, I was just like, wow, it was so much going on. I'm like, wow, look at you, Steve Bannon. He looks diseased on the outside. And I'm like, I, clearly, you are um, slowly dying on the inside. And I'm here for it. The significance of the fall of Steve Bannon, I think is so if you guys wonder, why does this matter? You have to consider that Steve Bannon has these huge, hugely rich supporters who have been giving him money and being like, you know, you go find the next Trump. And you get the next Trump elected in small town USA all over the country taking open seats in Congress. And that is what Steve Bannon has been doing, um, trying to back um, anti-Republican establishment candidates. And so the fact that he's seen such huge, massive donors to his cause back out in the wake of his remarks in this book, um, and now that he stepped down for Breitbart, Breitbart News, it's taking away that power. And I think a lot of people are excited about that. Okay. I think, yeah, and I just, because it's hopefully it's the, it's the you know, just another little piece to dismantle this diseased um, regime. And that's all we're going to say about that. You know, I mean, at least we have a stable genius in the White House. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. And so, no, you know what I thought was a little bit giggly? So, and I, I'm sure she's not stupid, but it was funny that um, when, when Oprah did her speech the next day, um, Ivanka Trump tweeted her. It was like, oh, my God, it was so inspiring. It was amazing. And I saw all these people tweeting her like, girl, like, should I tell her or should or should we just leave it to her? Like, leave her because she's talking about your father, boo boo. Like, <laughs> and I think you mentioned before like that. Yes, that you, you know, you believe that obviously she knows, but she's kind of like it's like a little subtle dig. But I'm like, girl, your blood relation. I can't. I can't. I just feel and, like if there was, you know, have you seen Get Out? Yes, I have. If there were such thing as a sunken place for women, like there in that movie, there was a sunken place where African-Americans would go. I feel like she's in the sunken place of womanhood. Like she's just, I mean, how could you be in this, in this administration supporting it as a woman? I just feel like, oh, her and Sarah Huckabee, they're in the sunken place for women. That's how I feel. 
Yes. Well, you know, hopefully they arise out of that sunken place. And if not, they will sink with the ship and we will wave at them from the top. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, any other buzz things that you want to talk about? Um, I do want to mention real quick, speaking of the globes, just real quick, because I don't think we mentioned earlier that there were some firsts, a lot of firsts. I mean, apart from Viola Davis being amazing with her natural hair, um, a couple of like first time winners. So Sterling K. Brown became the first African-American man to win in his category. Mm. Best actor in a drama. Oprah, of course, was not just making history with her speech, but just her mere presence winning that award. She was the first African-American woman to win that award. It was called the Cecil B. uh, Cecil B. Merritt Award. I forget. Mm. Um, Cecil something award. By the um by the Golden Globes and oh who's the third one oh Aziz Ansari yeah he was the first yes. Asian actor to win but I think he was Best Actor in a Comedy for Master of None yes I like when I saw that I was like oh because I honestly I love him he seems like the guy from high school that was like in your like you know English class that had you rolling in the back and you were like Aziz I'm gonna get an F stop making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. I'm just, and honestly, it was a magical night. People's speeches were just great. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just proud of all the brown ambition that we saw on stage. Absolutely. There could, there could have been a little bit more. It did sort of feel like if you watch the whole show all the way through, it did feel a little bit like, I only, I only wish that more women of color had won awards because I feel like the people who won were getting a lot of time to speak. And you really didn't hear but one woman of color or one black woman's voice that I can recall. Now, I remember I stopped watching like later in the show, but I don't think that there were significant women of color who won besides Oprah. So until Oprah spoke, I didn't see any other, you know, women Mm. of color making speeches. It was a lot of um, white women who had, who were winning, you know, awards in their category, which was great. But I think just because there weren't as many winners of color, you didn't, you didn't like hear those voices um, as much, which was kind of sad, but you know, you know, yeah, now we got to take what we can take and push take back. So. But I am, I am excited for the new year. I, I know right before the, before we broke um, for the holiday, we had talked about resolutions and like paying down debt and stuff. And I wanted to reveal, so every, <gasps> some, some numbers around debt around the holidays. Um, so every year magnify money, we put out the survey and we ask people the week after Christmas, you know, did you take out did you take on debt over the holidays? And if you did, how much debt? And for the past three years, we've been doing this survey. And guess which direction the number is going? Up. Up, 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 up. Yes. So actually. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, I, I think that people, I think honestly, so the economy is doing really well. The markets have been amazing, like having record market returns. Um, and not just that, but unemployment is at an all-time low. So I think people are feeling more confident. I mean, just there's all these indices that show that consumers are more confident. And I feel like people just feel like things are great. Why worry about this little credit card? Like I can handle this. Um, so this year, on average, people who took out took on holiday debt um, racked up over $1,050 um, on credit debt alone, which – doesn't sound like a ton of money, but if you think about it, like if if you're if you're the kind of person who maybe has opened up like a store credit card around the holidays and you put a thousand bucks on that card, if you just make the minimum payment on that card and you have like a twenty plus percent interest rate, you could easily be paying that card off for the next five six years, like mm-hmm. easily, and hundreds of dollars in interest charges. So it's significant, and I don't know about you, but I feel like. I, I think that this is a manageable amount of debt for anyone to have. 
um, for the for the average person to have. But what scares me is like things are great now, but what if you let this debt linger and you just sort of like take your time paying it down, and then when things aren't so great, then all of a sudden you've got this debt that you didn't pay off when things were a little bit flusher um, in the bank, and now you're like stuck with it, and then you're missing payments, and I think that's like how the spiral starts. Yeah. It's, it's like it's it's taking care of debt when you can, when you have the means, um, so that when you when something happens and you don't have the means, like you're not getting stuck down the rabbit hole, um, which I think a lot of like a lot of smart people do. No, and, and honestly, it's one of the reasons why Superman and I wanted to get our house, quite honestly, um, in in cash, you know, because it was like okay, if you know, I don't know where life is going to lead. And, and, you know, I'm nervous by nature, nervous by nature, not because I hate you. You know, I just have to bring it. <laughs> but I, I just, it's, although I know business is great, I just seen too many ups and downs in my life. So I want to stabilize parts of my financial life to say, okay, so worst case scenario, like, you know, that there, we will always have enough, if our house is paid for, we will make enough to cover our expenses. Like even if I don't have a business anymore or whatever, or there's a shift in trends or whatever, you know? Um, and so, um, no, I, I totally get it that you're right. That when people are confident, they feel like, Oh, I've got this debt. Cause I definitely have been there where I'm like, Oh, I got this debt. And then I lost my job and then I lost my home. And I wish I didn't have this credit card debt holding me, um, down. Uh, a friend of mine actually reached out to me and she was struggling with her credit card debt. One of her interest rates were like, was like 25 or something percent, something crazy. And so I actually directed her to the national foundation of credit counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, because she was like, I don't have a whole lot of money and all these financial or, or credit, um, advisors, you know, or they, they charge a lot and you know, not all of, I used to think all of them were crooks, but I actually know some personally and they're, they're not all. Um, but I like the NFCC it's, nfcc.org um because they're um nonprofit based so um so she actually went through it and um and they base her payment like what she pays them to help her they base it upon what she makes so it's like super low i think she pays like 20 bucks a month or whatever while they're like helping her organize her finances and and get her credit together and stuff so that's really low cuz most of the credit folks i know charge 100 plus 100 dollars or or more um, so you're and- talking about just real quick. This is so the NFCC credit counseling, right? Mm-hmm. So I love the NFCC too, and I think there's like I just want to make that distinction between what they're doing. They're a nonprofit, yeah, and what like for-profit credit counseling or debt relief companies promise. Because like yeah. so the the NFCC, they you need to be in a fairly significant amount of debt to qualify for their services, like. Yeah. But and also have an income so that you can actually make your payments. So those are like the two requirements. Um, but they so you pay them a fee every month, mm-hmm. and then they will work on your behalf as much as they can to negotiate um, to to negotiate your debt, come up with solutions to pay down your debt, whether yep. it's consolidation or organizing your debt and prioritizing it, whatnot, helping you with that whole strategy. So like there's other debt relief firms like you were talking about that charge also charge fees. Um, to do something similar, but who one may do things that are shady, like ask for fees up front um, before they even do the service, or they may say that they can help you negotiate your debts, but then actually like the lenders won't even work with them. Um, So there's, there's definitely things to watch out for. But I think the reason like everyone, the reason that 
like people like you and me, we always mention the National Foundation for Credit Counseling is because they're a nonprofit um, yep. and they are not in it to make money off you. Exactly. And then two, that they have locations in like every state basically. So you would go to nfcc.org and you would type in your zip code and they would show you the nearest place nearest you. I don't even think she actually went in. I think like she just like worked through it on the phone and she's actually really happy with it. She had a lot of questions. She was really nervous. She ended up consolidating her debt. She, she's like, wow, like I'm, I'm going to be able to pay it off sooner. My monthly payments are now lower. And she was like, is it normal that they're charging me a fee? I'm like, well, how much is the fee? And she was like 20 bucks a month. I'm like, yes, girl. like that is more than fair. So I was just really happy that she was happy and was moving toward, um, you know, that she'll be done in, in a in a few years. And, and there's no I was like, there's some things I told her to check on. Make sure there's no prepayment penalty. I know that there wasn't with the NFCC, but I wanted her to be um, I wanted her to start asking those questions as part of procedure. Are there any prepayment penalties? What other fees do you have? Like, so I had her have kind of like this checklist. And so she ended up feeling really empowered. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a great organization. If you're, if you're in, in trouble and you want to, you really need some handholding, but you can't afford, you know, these other companies. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Do you want to boost or do you want to break? <laughs> I'm excited because I actually have a really good boost today. So I was like, we're not skipping over boost or break. I you wasn't going to, but okay, you go first, son. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm so excited. Essence is back black owned. Isn't that so crazy that that's something that we have to say, that Essence is. I didn't know that they weren't. <laughs> I was yeah, surprised. It was, it was, that's exciting, were, though. I know. They were owned by Time, Inc., and so they were actually bought by, I think his name is Richard, um, Mr. Richelieu. I'm saying his name completely um, wrong, I'm sure. Um, so he actually was the uh, man that um, founded and created um, Shea Moisture. And so he actually sold Shea Moisture to Unilever. And I'm sure all that cash, he said, what am I going to do with this cash? So he ended up um, purchasing Essence. And what's super exciting is that their executive board is all black women, which I'm like, yes. So it's just. Like, I know a lot of people that work um, at Essence and everyone over there is like super duper duper excited. And um, so, yeah, so because Essence is not just a magazine. Essence is a communications company. So they, you know, they have Essence Fest and they have um, conferences and <coughs> excuse me, um, um, experiential like platforms and e-commerce. And so I'm just I'm just really excited to see the direction that Essence um, takes now that the magazine that speaks to black women is run basically by black women, which makes sense. That's amazing. And it doesn't happen that often. It doesn't. So that's a huge boost. 
you know, 2018, you you doing all right. You know, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it cute. And so that was just a little great, like, I just saw everybody was super excited. I saw people who did ne- never bought Essence were like, I subscribed. I can't wait. Because the truth of the matter is, like, all my young friends, my millennial, my Mandy millennial friends were like, Essence? Girl, nobody reads that magazine anymore. But when I was a youngin, Essence was like the go-to. So it would be nice to kind of see it pop again, you know? It's great. Oh, and a little... A little side boost. I got your car, your holiday card today. Oh, you did? Happy New Year. Um, it's a little bit late. Blame the blizzard. <laughs> yeah, it was so cute. Superman is so cute. He opened it. He was like, oh, this is so nice. Look at Mandy. She, she. What did he say? She looks like, she looks hilarious. Or she looks like um fun or something like that. I bet you that's why Enrique fell in love with her. I just looked at him. Sometimes like, like Superman will just say the most like sweetest thing. And I'm just looking at him like. That was really nice to say. He was like, <laughs> I don't know where it just came out of nowhere. He was just looking at the card like, he was like, we're putting it on the refrigerator right here. Aww. So it's on our fridge. Mm-hmm. I it's made the fridge. What? Yes, <laughs> you made the fridge. <laughs> Meanwhile, no, mine's nothing but baby baby cards. I'm like, it, this year I was like, you got to go. Sorry, little Joey. <laughs> There's no more yes. space for you. Anthony's oh, we, baby Anthony's got a new got a new portrait got to put that right up front yeah we did we did kick somebody else off the fridge and I was like we can't kick them off the fridge he was like it's no it's time for them to go we're putting Andy um we're putting Mandy and um and Enrique here in their stead so you know I was like okay I can do that here's my pro tip I I don't like to send Christmas cards like pre-holiday cards I send New Year's cards why I order them like two days after the new year whenever I can and they always have amazing deals on like New Year's cards after the New Year. And, you know, the mail, like things get there a few days after you send them. So I think I, I, I that's that's I think I spent I saved like 70 percent on those New Year's cards because I waited until after um, the New Year and like looked at all my promo codes and stuff like Ebates had 8 percent cash back. Then the website had like 60 percent off. It was it was exciting. That's smart, actually, really smart. I'm like, because I said, I'm like, I want to be one of those people that sends the really cute cards with like their family and stuff on it, and everybody looks forward to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, man. Um, my boost is going to be for so I just watched the first episode of Grownish okay. this weekend. So I think I'm a little bit too old for it, but I really, I'm just like, I was so happy because I love Yara Shahidi, who I still can't believe is like 17 and a half or something crazy like that. But this is a spinoff from Blackish. They gave her her own show now. Yes, it looked really cute. I saw a little yeah. bit of it. It feels like it feels like a different world, like of this generation, and mm. it was really exciting to see. It has like a really diverse cast. Um, there's like a, there's gay, there's a bisexual character. There's obvious. There's like a um, there's an Asian character. I don't know. It just feels it feels really good and refreshing. And I wish I were 19 because I feel like I would love it. Um, but shout out to Yara Shahidi and the in the Blackish family for the spinoff. Um, what network is that on? I have no idea. I just watch everything on Hulu now. Yeah, right. I'm like, I don't know. Demand. I don't know. I feel like nobody watches things in real time hardly anymore. I could do a whole boost for just female powered, women of color powered TV right now because I feel like it's just amazing right now. Lena Waithe has a new show on Netflix called The Shy. Is it Shy? It has to be Shy, right? Yeah, Shy. C-H-I, like Chicago. Chicago, yeah. It's about, it's, I think it's about, um, um, the gun violence in Chicago, but told through like real stories. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm really excited to watch it. 
It yeah. looks really good. And there was like a new Netflix show with two had two chocolate sisters um, who are like hijacking trains. Like, you know, it's I feel like what's really exciting is when you see shows about women of color where, where their color is not the focus of the show. Yes, you know I love I mean? that. Uh-huh. Like, okay, yeah, two teenagers like robbing trains. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, like um Issa Rae got like a, I think she got two a two show deal or something like that. Yeah. So I'm excited to see. I don't know if that's Netflix, but I know it's coming. I feel like it's HBO or Probably. Yeah, cuz I was really sad that she didn't win best actress, I have to say. We can go back to the Golden Globes. I thought that she should have won. That was a bummer, but uh I digress. She was there with the girl. I- Yvonne. So yeah, I know. I love Yvonne. She is like my favorite. We like Kiki in our in our group chat. Like it, she's just hilarious, like in real life and on TV. She's been blowing up. She had all these sold out shows opening up for Chris Rock. Yvonne, what's her yes. last name? Orgy? Yvonne Orgy? OG. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Opening up for Chris Rock in Manhattan. And then my friend saw her at um, Caroline's the other day, like a sold out show at this. It's a comedy club in, um, in New York. New York. So. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah, it just feels good. It does feel good. Feels good. Feels like a boost. Ooh, two boosts. We're off to I a good know. Start. I feel like we haven't. Yeah, I feel like we haven't done two boosts in a while. Two boosted raisins. I tried real hard. <laughs> well, I'm excited because as we move into our ask a question, get an answer. We're gonna focus our Q and A today on net worth. Correct, Mandra. Yes. So as you guys all know, Tiffany on the side, Tiffany, the budgetista, Alice, um, yeah. her superhero persona. So for the last how many years now? Three, four years? This is our fourth year. Mm-hmm. Fourth year doing the Live Richer Challenge. And this year was all about net worth, which is my favorite word ever, net worth. Yes. Um, so I thought today on the show, we could take a question from a, a listener um, who's asking um, about how to build her net worth. And I, I wanted to talk to you first about why is net worth the most important number you can know about yourself? Just to set us up. Well, because net worth um, gives a more accurate picture of where you really stand financially. So if you tell somebody, oh, I make $30,000 a year, they might be like, ooh, you broke job. But that's not the full picture because that's just what you make, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really explain or express how much you have as far as your finances. And you might tell somebody, I make a million dollars a year and it sounds awesome, but that doesn't, like I said, express where you stand as far as your financial health. And so your net worth is a, um, it's based upon two numbers. It's based upon your assets. That's what you own and your liabilities. That's what you owe. So your net worth is what you own, assets minus what you owe, liabilities. So own like home, a car. People, some people debate whether your car could be a net, an asset. It can be. Um, savings. Only um, for the appraised, like the only for the value it is right yes, now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, your same thing, like with, if if you have, um, investment accounts, retirement, um, so you have to think to yourself this way, that your assets are things that if you were to, to liquid, liquidate them and get cash for them, what would you get now? That's what your assets are worth. So like, let's just say you own some pretty expensive jewelry, you know, you can include that in your net worth of your jewelry is substantial enough, you know, not like if you have a, you know, I mean, if you got like a $50 ring, that's cute, but I don't know, I would necessarily add that. To my net worth, unless I unless I was like you know young and I didn't have um, many assets. Um, but your liabilities are things like your loan, um, your mortgage, um, your car note, 
Um, so some people were asking me, like when they're folks who are doing the challenge, the literature challenge, if um if like their cable bill is a liability. And I'm like, no, unless you're behind, you have to think about your liability basically is debt, not bills. So mm-hmm. something that you have to pay down and off, that's the liability. So it's different what, from cash flow. Yes, it, it is different from cash flow. It's a it, net worth is a snapshot right now of how much and what you own. If you were to liquidate everything, what would that number be? You yeah. know, and then how much of what you owe, if everybody came calling today and said, give me my money, everything that you owe me right now, what would, what would the end result be? Would it be negative? At one point I was almost $300,000. My net worth was a negative 300,000 almost. Cause I owed the house that I eventually lost, which was like 200,000, my, my mortgage. I also owed, um, uh, $35,000 on a credit card because of a scam that I was a victim of. And then I also owed 50,000 on a, um, on my student loans. So that was like what, 280. And I didn't own any, well, I had a beat up car. So it was like, maybe the car's worth 5,000. That's literally all I had left. Cause I had taken all the money out of my retirement account. I had no savings. I had no money, maybe like a few bucks in my pocket, but that was it. So my net worth was basically like negative 275. So pretty steep. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of really wanted to focus on net worth, um, this year with the live richer challenge, because we've done the fundamentals. That was the first year we've done the savings edition. That was the second year last year. You know, we, we, um, we, um, partnered with magnify money and you guys saw Mandy every single week and I'm going to get her on, um, this challenge as well. We did the credit edition, which is really dope. And so this year, as usual, the challenge is completely free. It's my gift to y'all. Um, you can sign up for the net worth edition at lrcnetworth.com. We actually don't have like any big sponsor or anything this year. So just like kind of like me out of pocket, just like sharing because I love to see y'all move forward. So I can't wait to, you know, take this net worth question. So y'all can learn how to make your net worth pop in 2018. And I love it. What I love about net worth too, and I'll put a link to the literature challenge net worth, lrcnetworth.th. Dot com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not network. Someone had asked network. What? I know. Um, it's my list. It's my list. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what I love about it is that it's not it almost I feel like sometimes people are pleasantly surprised by their net worth because it's really easy to think about everything that is due and everything that maybe like your student loan debt or, you know, your mortgage or whatnot. But when you're talking about your mortgage, you also have to look at the equity in your home that you you know, the value of your home and and, and take that into account. The value, the equity in your home is an asset. The mortgage is a debt. But when you put them together, you have a much smaller number than the debt that you owe or anyway, you you hopefully have a much smaller number. Um, So I just think, yeah, it's a more holistic way and more like realistic way of looking at what you owe and also what you have working for you. Um, So love it, love it, love it. Um, So in honor of the net worth challenge from the literature challenge this year, I wanted to take this question and you guys, nothing has changed in the new year. You can still send your questions to us at brownambitionpodcast.com. Well, at gmail.com. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, no. Well, that's true. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was like, wait, what's happening? Let me do that again. (laughs) I'm questioning. Um, make sure to put in your email though, if you want us to use your name or not, if you don't, I just assume you want me to put all your business out there. So, uh, (laughs) 
But thank you so much for your questions. And we do, and these are real questions we're answering. So definitely check back on the next episode to see if we answered your question. So Ashley, I thought this question was really good and fitting for the net worth conversation. So Ashley has this question. She says, I am, well, I'm grateful for your knowledge and pleasant discussion of topics that can sometimes be difficult to discuss. I'm a 27-year-old married teacher of five years. I have a tendency to look for more work, like tutoring, essay grading, academic support, rather than trying to better manage the funds I am currently earning. What recommendations do you have for a go-getter to get on track um, to get on track for better financial management? I see that working hard and getting side hustles is great, but I also feel like lo- I'm losing time with my family and also have to consider that as part of the price. So it's like she's taking on a bunch of work. Mm trying to increase her um this is one way to increase your net worth yeah but she's wondering like could she get further by working on the underlying issues that she may have um like the reasons why she feels like she needs to take on this side hustle work in order to have to do less of it so she can spend more time with her her family definitely honestly it's the to me it's the the age old question of how do you balance? Because net worth is, is those two, two things. It's you can make more that way you can have more or you can um, spend less that way you can get rid of your, your debt. And to me, there's no right or wrong. It, it really depends on what your personal goals are. So if you have not, but I will say this, that if you have not maximized your current budget, meaning not meaning that like, you know, you're counting every little penny and you're not going anywhere or anything else, but you're not, you don't have an actual working budget. You're not kind of looking at the ins and outs of how the money is coming in. Definitely do that because you might find you don't have to work as much as you think. You know, that's the key is that I don't believe in what I call over-sacrifice. What I don't just call it that. It's like a word, right? I don't believe in over-sacrifice, meaning like you shouldn't do more than you have to do to achieve your dream. So if your goal is to save, let's just say $10,000 in 2018, you could say, well, I can work extra hours to make 10000 Or, you know what? If we, you know, ate out lunch, you know, only three times a week instead of five times a week, we could save five of the 10 and I only have to work half as much. So you have to kind of do that, that like uh, juggling act and, and, but start with your basic budget. So that way you don't have to over-sacrifice. You don't have to work as much if that's not what you so desire. Yeah, and I, I think too, Think looking at, I feel like looking at decisions and asking yourself, how is this going to impact my net worth? Like once you get that number, you know, let's say it's like, I don't know, negative 5,000, like you're making a good income, but you have $10,000 in debt and you got 5,000 in the bank saved up. So your negative $5,000 net worth, like I think once you have that number and every major decision you're about to make, asking yourself like, how is this going to impact my net worth? Is it going to get bigger or is it going to get smaller? I think that that can really help people. I mean, I think that's the difference between going out and upgrading to the hottest car or that new iPhone because you feel like everyone has it um, yep. versus finding a car that you can drive for 10 years because it's going to make your net worth positive. Exactly. And it starts to change your decisions. I mean, when I first met Superman, he wanted a new car so bad and it took like a Herculean effort not to convince him not to get a car, not to get a car just yet. And so, cause he had a car, he just wanted a new car. 
Um, and then it wasn't until we really started the home buying process and he saw that we had enough to get a house cash and what that meant. And now there's a, um, a potential, um, uh, um, investment property that we're going to purchase. And now all of a sudden he starts, he's shifting like what he sees that money can do. Like I can get this car or I can get this property. That's actually going to put a hundred thousand dollars in our pocket. Huh? Let's do that instead. And so you know, it's much easier to stick to a plan when you have a specific goal in mind and the goal is tangible because it shifts um, your definition of sacrifice because no one really likes sacrifice. But I don't feel like what we do is sacrifice because in, in the end, there's so much more to be gotten. So asking yourself, you know, kind of like, what is that end goal? Because then it becomes joyful making decisions that put you toward that end goal. And you start to realize that the things that you wanted to collect before, you know, are actually not um, not as fun because they take you away from your goal of, of financial freedom. Yeah. And we talk about let's talk about some like actionable ways to improve your network. So there's the obvious ones like like Ashley is in trying to increase her income. That's obviously mm-hmm. one way to improve your net worth. Paying down your liabilities, like debts, is one way to increase your net worth. And and budgeting, you know, cutting expenses so that your like your day to day living expenses are decreased. That's another good way. What about like strategic ways to increase your net worth? Like, for example, one way to increase your net worth obviously is to cut expenses so you can save more. But think about saving in a vehicle that could like really work for you. Like saving mm-hmm. in a way where your money can actually grow, you exactly. know, baby steps, obviously like getting an online savings account where you might get a better return for your money or a, a CD with, where CD rates are, are rising or something even bigger, like what Tiffany is saying, like seeing about th- uh, investing some savings, um, investing your, your, your finances into an investment property that exactly. could potentially give you returns opening up or contributing to your 401k, which... Um, can give you return on your money over time or like opening up a brokerage account on the side when you feel like you are in a place where you can do that because then your money is working for you. Um, And it's, it's like adding that extra little bit of something, something to, to your strategy. So you're not just, so you don't feel like you're just like some people can feel like you're digging a hole and it's just like filling back up with sand. Uh, Is that the expression? Is that a thing? Uh, like, <laughs> I'm like, I haven't heard that. I mean, it's I, like, I, I, you're trying I'm to, it's what like, you're putting down, but okay, I'm like, thanks. that's not a normal expression. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you get a big plate of food at a restaurant and you're like, damn, I feel like I've been eating for days and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah like that? Just me? No. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it, it helps you move the needle a little bit faster to think of like, how can I maximize my savings? Yeah. Um, and, and you know, what about maximizing the, like if you have income from your side hustle, how, you know, maybe instead of just putting it in a regular savings account, if, you know, if you've got most of your debts paid off and you can invest it, like why not make the money work a little bit? Um, you know, investing into a brokerage account um, or an IRA or some, or an IRA or something like that on the side mm-hmm. or putting it toward a bigger investment goal, like, like a, a investment property down the line. Exactly. There's actually, I want to give you a link, Manny, to put on our, our blog because I, I, I've been really trying to um, like uh, uh, investigate different robo advising companies, you know, like Acorns and and um, I think Ally has one. And of course, there's LearnVest that you've used before. And there's one called Earnvest, no, LVest. 
that I've like, I went to New York to meet with them to really learn more about what they do. And one thing that they have, and I'll, I'll give you the link for it, is that um, they actually do, and I just got mine the other day and I thought it was great. They do a free investment plan, which um, can cost um, anywhere from $1,000 plus. And because I had actually paid an investment advisor not too long ago to create an investment plan. So what I liked about the LVES investment plan was that you went on, you said your age, and there was like five different future financial goals to choose from. Like, I want to get a house or I want to um, I want to grow wealth or I want to retire or whatever. You choose your goals and then you put your goals in order of importance. And then you, you put down how much money do you want to have when. And then so Elvest creates like this, this like personalized plan that kind of says, OK, Mandy, at the age you are now. If you save for 20 years and put it in an IRA account or you put it in this kind of account and the average rate of, of return on that account is this, this is what you're going to have. This is how close you can get to your to your um, to your goal. I just thought it was really great to kind of see like these numbers compute, but in a way that was because I've done a lot of those kind of like almost all of them have something similar like that. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't know what this means. You know, like, what is it? What do these numbers mean? But it was really clearly defined and it's completely free. You know, of course, of course, it's always an upsell, which you don't have to because I have a financial advisor. So you can take your investment plan and sit with your financial advisor if you have one or take your investment plan if you decide you want to invest on your own. But at least you have some sort of blueprint. So it's like I said, it's free and I don't know how long it'll be free, but well, I think I'm pretty sure it'll be free for a long time. Well, it's not forever. Specifically, what's free is the investment plan, right? Because they do charge yes. fees for their. So, so that's what I mean. That just get yourself the investment plan. You don't. It's you're no under no obligation, obviously, to to sign up for Elvest, um, yeah. but get it because I like I said, I have a financial advisor already, so I'm not. I mean, I'm sure Elvest is great, but I already paid my financial advisor, so he gonna earn his keep. But I printed out my plan, so the next time I meet with Frank, I'm like, let's talk about this. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a great, like, kind of like opener tool to say, Hey, these are my goals. Now I can see them in like this financial way that I understand. Let me, um, you know, it's just a great jumping off point, no matter what you decide to do with it. And LFS, it's actually been around for a few years, but it's just now like really catching on. They've been doing a lot of marketing, um, but it's, it's targeted toward women. L get it. LFS. Yeah. Um, it's targeted <laughs> toward women founded by Sally Krawcheck. Um, who's a, a longtime executive in the banking industry. So, um, and I would put it in the category of a betterment, um, yes. wealth front, Elevest, because they have these sort of pre-packaged sort of um, investment portfolios. And you do, you do get sort of like a semi-tailored investment portfolio, but they're not like actively moving, like they're not actively managing it. Like you would get it like, you know, really an expensive investment firm. Yeah. Um, and they, but because of that, they can charge um, lower fees than what you may get from like traditional investment firms. But it's in that category of like Betterment, Wealthfront. Yep. Um, I'm blanking on some others. A a Acorns, right? Is Acorn one? Well, Acorns is a little bit different because that's collecting savings that like isn't Acorns where they're tracking your spending and you can set aside the change that they find in your bank account and invest it. Isn't that yes, you're right. Works? Yeah, it's more so you're right. Acorns is more like a um, like a roundup, and so maybe like a Wise Banyan. That's another one that's kind of like does that kind of like um, advising, robo advising, where they advise you, but not it. It's it's um it's not as in depth as if you sat in front of somebody, but not as hands off as you did it by yourself. 
Yeah, acorns is a good for beginners. Like if yeah. you if you don't have a lot of money, you don't have like, you know, enough money to to qualify for minimum balances for like a brokerage account. So you want to start with acorns, just get your toes wet. That's cool. Like an Elevest, a Betterment, that's if you have a little bit of money um outside of your 401k and you want you want sort of like a semi-hands-off approach to investing and that's where like a robo advisor can be helpful. Um yeah, I I have I've looked into like oh personal capital is another one. Um, personal capital is pretty good. You it's it's sort of it's like it's like a mint coupled with an investment uh, an investment advisory firm like a digital investment advisory. So um, I think you have to have a certain amount of assets, but it's I love it because I love their interface so much, and it's it's where I get my net worth at. I love personal capital's like whole interface. Okay, um, and if you want to like go the next step up, you can get. Um, one-on-one coaching from their advisors. Um, I don't actually know what their fees are, but it's something to look into too, personal capital. Okay. Um, oh, I've heard about them too. I've heard good things about them. I'm a somebody, fan. Somebody just hit, I think, I feel like somebody hit me on social media. It was like, Tiffany, I like personal capital. Have you heard, have you heard of them? Every, these, these kind of like new, these companies are, are newish. Like it's a movement that's been growing, but it's newish. So it's really to answer the, the question for folks who want to invest, but don't traditionally want to kind of sit in front of a person that they're like, what financial advisor, but also are like, I don't know what to do. So it's just like, it's a great way to do it yourself, but not all the way by yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like going to college. So you're like, I'm an adult, but you live in the dorm and there's like a dorm mom and you're like, okay, you're, you live by your, you're independent with help, you know? <laughs> I think it's really exciting to look. It's also like if it, you know, if you, it's. I think it's really smart that you're doing net worth four years in because it's almost like okay, we worked on the budget, we worked on credit yes. debt. You should have a bit of a net worth now. So now, how do you maximize it? And that's where these tools, and that's where looking at an investment strategy. This is the exciting part, where you're like, okay, I'm I'm in a pretty solid place, yes. and, I'm, and I'm ready to make my money work for me. Um, yep, and that's why we've done it like this. Like I've been really, cause, cause what I, what I also try to make sure that we do is we really try to listen to the dream catchers. So that's the community that, uh, that get, allows me to help them move forward financially. And so we always are doing surveys and also too, we have our Facebook group. So I'm always like kind of taking a temperature in the group of like, what are people talking about in the beginning? The first live richer challenge was all about the fundamentals because people were literally like, I, I'm just trying to save $5 a month. So I was like, okay, how do we get you to the fundamentals of basic budgeting, basic money mindset? And then it was like, everybody wanted to save more. And I'm like, okay. And then it was like, okay, girl, I have some savings. My credit is crazy. Then it's like, okay. So it's, I'm really wanting to push us forward. And so I don't know what next year's is going to be. I, like I said, I take a temperature, I ask questions, I, I look at the survey and then it, but it'll, it'll build upon net worth. It might be the investment challenge. It might be the, um, the small business, um, addition of, you know, so, but just whatever the next level kind of looks like. And then, um, and then I think that'll be it, quite honestly. And this is my first time saying it publicly. But I think after that, um, that we'll just loop the challenges back around again, that it'll it'll round out at five solid free challenges. And then, you know, we'll go back and start with the fundamentals again for those who want to do that again and, and just like re-loop every five years with the challenges. And honestly, I'm really proud of them because so many people have been able to help themselves. Like I always say, I don't want to be your financial guru. I think like... First of all, I don't, I know like five things and I'm like, girl, I don't know. But what I do know is how to teach. And so if I can figure it out after messing up or I can phone a friend, 
I know how to put it in a way that you can now help yourself. I want to be your financial girlfriend where I'm like, I'm not here to tell you like everything and, and you're supposed to come back to the well and keep dipping into the well. No, I'm here to create a resource that can teach you that has been well-researched um, not just from my own knowledge that I've partnered with really dope people to to make sure that the that the um, information is correct and accurate, and that teaches you in a way that honors where you currently are, and teaches you in a way that you're able to reteach the people in your network, because a guru has to talk to everyone. A girlfriend just talks to you, and then you're the girlfriend to your girlfriends. And so that's what I want. I want to teach you and for you to take that information and to share with other people. And so, and that's how movements really move forward because one day I'm going to have twins and I'm going to be too busy for all of this. (laughs) Wait, what? I don't know. That's what Superman said. He's like, you know, we have twins, right? I'm like, please stop wishing twins upon my uterus. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, and my mom today said it. She was like, I was just thinking about you. I think you guys should go for twins. I was like, why is everybody telling us? Because he's a twin. Go for I, well, because, well, because so my surgery is going to be in like two weeks. So we have to talk about how we're going to be our taping. But, um, so, um, and so my fibroid surgery, and then three months after that, we can try to have a baby. But I think honestly that instead of like waiting for just a natural route, I think I'm actually going to go for in vitro because I'm 38. So I just kind of feel like, girl, maybe if I was 30, I'd be like, well, let's try for a year naturally. But I feel like you know, at 38, I'm kind of like, let's stack the odds in our favor. Plus, he's got that good insurance so that they paid for everything. They paid, they would pay for everything. And, they you know, with in vitro. Wow. Yeah. One of his coworkers actually had twins. She chose to have two fertilized eggs implanted. And he was like, ooh, you know what that means? I'm like, I don't actually know what that means. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm becoming more and more open to the thought of twins because although I know it would be a lot especially for the first time out that I don't know that I just don't know at 38, if I'm going to be able to do it twice, you know what I mean? Like there's like, if, if I get pregnant this one time, this might be it, you know what I mean? So, and I kind of don't want to just have one kid. I mean, more and more that I think about, I mean, we have bonus daughter, which I love and she's um 11. So I really, I mean, I grew up with sisters close to my age and I know what it is to have someone close to your age to play with and hang out with and, that should be FF. And I kind of want that for my, um, for my kid. And so I'm thinking about twins, girl. We shall see. <laughs> Budget needs the babies. Hoo-cha. I'm going to make those, by the time those kids are five, they will have paid for their, um, their college tuition with, um, uh, I'm like, um, I need a, we're going to be doing a blog post. Guy. Are you guys ready? Are the babies ready? Let's go. <laughs> I'm just excited for all the amazing financial conversations we can have about in vitro. Um, fertilization and oof, exciting. Yes, please continue being, (laughs) continue experiencing these things. It's nerve wracking because everybody who's had in vitro wants to tell me how much it hurts. I'm like, girl, I don't want to hear all that. Just like having, you know, like you gotta like pump yourself for hormones before they even inject you. Like, you know, the thing. Exactly. And so, I mean, I'm just trying to get through the, um, fibroid. So, you know. It's because it's nervous because I actually just last night on the news, they had like this like breakthrough where they have this fibroid pill now, but it's not fully vetted. So my mom was telling me about it. And I was like, well, mommy, I don't know how far off that is. Like my surgery is in two weeks. I don't want to push it off. And then it's like, well, do you get the surgery where they cut you open like a C-section or you did get the laparoscopic, I think, where they kind of like laser it out. And so just there's so many choices and so many risks depending on what you choose and then if you choose this surgery there might be scar tissue you can never get pregnant if you, there's just honestly everybody well, 
One huh? of my one of my friends has just gone through this whole fibroid situation this last year. It, it over the summer she'd had the surgery and she is fine now. Okay. So don't I mean if that can give you any sort of peace. She's okay. She's good. She's healthy. Cause I know everybody has so many things and I'm like, ah, but I'm like, you know what? It's scheduled. Cause if I, if I try to push it back to do more, more research, then I'm just not going to do it. And I'm like, it has to happen because these fibroids, child. and it's so crazy when I talk to people about fibroids, I would say one out of every three women of color that I say, that I tell that I have fibroids, they're like, oh yeah, me too. So either they've already had their kids or they haven't, they're trying to figure out what to do. That's the reason why I talk about it, because I want to normalize the fact that this is something that specifically our brown ambition community experiences at a higher rate than other communities. And it's something that we should talk about, that it shouldn't be some hidden secret, you know? And um, what do you do? A lot of women are like, well, girl, I had my baby, so I'm good, you know? Or like, you know, um, a lot of women I know have used exercise and diet. So, I mean, I've definitely lost weight and I've, I've changed my diet, but I, I just don't have the time to kind of wait. Like if like I said, if I was a little bit younger, maybe I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to rock out this year, strict diet and exercise, shrink them naturally, and then go for the baby. But at this point, I'm just like, take them out because I want to get this party started. All right. Mm-hmm. You know what I found out? Um, you can purchase pregnancy tests and condoms with your FSA money. Really? That's excellent. Um, yes, because I may or may not have um, on December 30th been trying to blow through all my FSA money because I put way too much in there. Whoopsie. <laughs> um, and you, you know, your flex savings account or sorry, is it flex spending account? So you can put up to like $2,600 in there a year. And I thought I, I had a bunch of dental work, but I still ended up with like 600 bucks left over. Whoops. And you either use it or you lose it. So really? yeah, I found out though you can go to you can go to like drugstore website. So I went to drugstore.com. Well what I what happened was I went to Walgreens dot oh wait. Yeah, drugstore.com, which is like owned by Walgreens now. And they actually have an FSA shop in there. So everything in that little category on the site you can pay for with your benefits card. So I you know, I may or may not have gotten a bunch of unneeded pregnancy tests. Like, did those expire? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I got like six. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'll take all of them. All of the tests, please. Sometimes Thanks. you just want a little reassurance, you know? Like, and I those know. things aren't cheap. So, um, you know, for me, it's like, oh, am I not pregnant? Phew. Um, but yeah, a bunch of those. I mean, but like sunblock. I got like a shit ton of the nice band-aids that I like. Um, <laughs> first aid <laughs> kits. It's ridiculous. Sunscreen. I'm all ready to go. Um, yeah, I'm ready. And I will not be maxing out my my FSA this year because that was stupid. Well, when you know better, you do better. And now you know better. It's time for wins. Wednesday. Since, you know, our our podcast goes live on Wednesday. So are you going to win? Well, we all are winners. There's only one choice. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. This is not like... (laughs) long day but a long good day um so what is your win for this week I have to do a win for I mean this is this is this is what win for workplace challenges so a win for and I hope nobody who works for me is listening to this podcast episode but it's my first time going through performance reviews as a manager which means actually having to have those conversations with my employees 
And I just wanted to do a anticipatory win that I'll do a really good job and I won't mess it up because I'm, okay. a, I'm a little bit nervous of it. I know that's not really a win, but I just want it. I just need some encouraging, encouraging. No, words. you're going to, you're going to win. You're going to rock out. You're going to do well. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, Mandy, it's amazing. And um, I'm also stealing some, you know, I, I talked a lot about like things I've learned just going through resumes for open positions, like mistakes people have made and things that I look out for. And I'm, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be collecting some tips on, on how to rock your performance review. Because Ooh. I think for a lot of people, this is like the one time a year when they have an opportunity to remind their boss all the amazing things they did. And I've already had one case where someone reminded me of something that she had done earlier this year. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. You're right. That was dope. Yeah. Um, so a win, a win in advance for this whole process and hopefully making, making the right sort of decisions. Well, my win is kind of collective. So um, a friend of mine, um, her name is Angela V. McKnight. She's also an assemblywoman. So you guys may have mentioned, I remembered that I mentioned this like probably a year or so ago that, um, so she's fairly new. Well, I don't know, maybe like a year or so in into her assemblywomanness. And she reached out to me and was like, I want to do something as it relates to education. I want to get something passed. And I said, okay. Well, in the state of New Jersey, there's a law where they have to teach some level of financial education in high school. But honestly, I taught preschool for 10 years in New Jersey, and it needs to start as low as kindergarten. Because by age, truthfully, by age three, kids start saying, can you buy me? Not can you, can you, can I have? And she was like, really? And I was like, but there's no law for that. I mean, like teachers might teach a little bit about money or whatever, but there needs to be something in place. And she said, okay. So we sat down together. And we started crafting um, a bill. And then I, we met with um, a, a, some committee for education of kids or something like that and worked on the bill even further. And so the bill um, kind of like um, slowly started to grow and she started to get um, bipartisan support. And um, so the bill originally was going to be named the Budget Needs to Bill, but we found out we couldn't name it that because you can't name a bill out of a business. But we calling it that anyway. Really, it's Bill A3369, but who cares about that? It's the Budget Needs to Bill. So what's super excited is that she hit me yesterday and said, so there's three, there's four levels of government it had to go through. It had to go through the, um, what did she say? It had to go through the uh, assembly committee, then the assembly house, then the Senate committee, and recently the Senate house. So there are 33 senators in New Jersey and all 33, so 33 to zero voted yes on this bill. So that was the the final kind of like frontier as far as that part of the government is concerned. And now the last step, the bill now is currently on Governor Chris Christie's desk and all he has to do is sign it and that bill becomes law. <laughs> yes. And that law would be that um, K through eight. So kindergarten through eighth grade would have to learn some level, and I'm sure we'll figure out the logistics and stuff later, but they have to be taught financial education for the first time. They're not introduced to it for the first time in high school that they're learning it early on. And just to be, it's just, it feels crazy and historic and momentous to be part of um, like something that can be turned into a law. So now I'm like, what? Budget needs the law? Even though clearly they're not calling it that. But I'm calling it that. <laughs> Amazing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just want to say, honestly, I did like, you know, a little bit of the work up front, but Angela, Angela V. McKnight, she is amazing because, I mean, it's one thing to sit down and say, there should be a law and the law should be this. And that's literally my involvement. And Angela, the one with though, is the one that had to go get support on both sides of the aisle and massage it and go to the Senate and go to the assembly house. And so it's been two years of her tireless work 
to get it to where it is now where, I mean, the work you have to do behind the scenes, if you watch House of Cards, you see what it looks like to get everybody like on board. 33 to zero that everybody said, yes, we want this bill to be a law. So my win truly is for Angela and her tireless work that even before she was an assemblywoman, she had started um, a nonprofit called Angela Cares, where it was um, to um, provide support for um, senior citizens where she lives in Jersey City. She's an amazing woman, a mother, a grandmother. And just, you ever meet those just kind-hearted souls? And she ran for office because she was doing such great work in the community just because that people were like, we, I want you to be in office. And she was like, yeah. And they like pushed her. And then I forget what her first election was that she won. And now she's assemblywoman. And I'm just hoping that she goes further and further because she's one of the ones that really does it because she wants to see people um, do and be better. And she's got, and just the fact that like, she's a brand new assemblywoman and for her to have a potential law under her belt, like it speaks volumes to her, her character and her ability to get stuff done. And she's brown ambition. So there's my win for the Budget Nista Law, a.k.a. Law A. What did I say? Girl, see, no one remembers that. A3369. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to play double Dutch, and I was not getting in there. I just wanted to say it's nice to hear at the local level people making a difference because I think it can feel like, it, it can feel like, oh, we have president, idiot in the office, blah, blah, blah. What can I do? But it's people like Angela really like at the grassroots level, just running for your local office, you know, like that's yeah. something that like anybody can do just to make a yeah. little bit of an impact. And I'm a huge hypocrite because it's not like I've done that, but um, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Go ahead. Angela. You think, and, and plus what I love is that Angela has bigger plans. Her thing is that if New Jersey can pass this and then we can successfully run it, then that's something that we can kind of like roll over to other states to say, hey, we have a model that works. Pennsylvania, New York, you know, so it hopefully this is just the first of many states to adopt this um this law and um we can make it a federal law, which would be amazing. Dope. That was a nice way to end the show. On message. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy new year. Yes. Happy new year to happy you too. 2018. Um, yeah. If you guys have any, if you guys want to give us a, a, a belated holiday gift, you could go to iTunes and leave us a review. That would be a spectacular. Um, we happen to get a lot of nice little messages over the holidays, but you guys could really make a good impact if you left us reviews on iTunes because iTunes shows people our show based on the number of reviews we get and of course downloads. So thank you so much for your support. Share the love, tell a friend, um, and hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. Um, send us questions. We're on Facebook, Brown Ambition, and on um, Twitter at the BA Podcast. Yes. So this was awesome. It was a nice kind of like, welcome back. Welcome back. Well, I'm going to take us out with a song so you can fade this out, Mandy, you know, like in um, post-production. Welcome it. back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Come on, Mandy. Welcome back. back welcome back. back. <laughs> Why are we saying welcome at the end? <laughs> oh, all right, I have too many questions. Bye.
I'm like, whatever. I feel like, come on. And then on top of that, well, you know, I saw a lot of people who were mad at the parents, but one thing, one of uh, my friends who actually is in the industry and her daughter models, and she was like, typically you sign a contract that says that, um, that, you know, whatever pictures come out, that's what they're going to be. And two, they don't like parents to be a distraction on the set. So you don't get to see what your child is wearing. You just know it's H&M. It's not like he's going to be naked, you know, so he's going to wear a hoodie or whatever, but you don't get to actually see the pictures. And then the pictures, typically parents see them when when um when the world sees them and so that because a lot of people were saying why what why did his parents allow this and they might not have known until we kind of knew um but let's place the blame where the blame lies i don't despite it being even if it was taken in sweden where maybe that that's not considered racist but you put the ad here in the united states where you know better i mean come on now but I did hear the good news is that um, Diddy offered him a, um, a million dollar modeling contract for his. Um, I don't know if he. I didn't know he still had a clothing line, but apparently offered him a million dollar modern modeling contract, which is dope. Is Sean John still a thing? I know. That's why I was like, is it? <laughs> I, I'm not so. Either way, I'm like, go ahead, Diddy. Go ahead. I like. I don't have just run out of things to say about things like that. Just yeah, I just like I don't know. Someone just needs to be fired. Sweep him up, put him in the trash. Like, yeah, move on. Like, I don't know. What? Somebody. It feels like I just. So you just don't have anybody of color like on your team? Well, Sweden. You said. Well, yeah, but still, I mean, like, okay. So if pictures are shot in Sweden, do they not like trickle down to? So if 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 um, marketing. Um, stuff is not going to, if it's something that you created for the overall company is going to be shared in different markets. Is there not like some sort of like oversight committee? Because, you know, what might go in, 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 um, in Hispanic market might not go well over in, uh, you know, I don't, in an African market. Yeah. So you know what I mean? So like, I would assume with a, I'm, I'm sure H&M is a billion dollar, if not multi 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 million dollar company that there's some sort of oversight committee because you just knowing that all things don't fly everywhere you know and just looking like huh calling this little brown boy a monkey via his sweatshirt might not be a good idea like it's just yeah it's like you thought that the dove ad was bad that was just a brown shirt exactly (laughs) and (laughs) yeah this was h&m's like my bad Wow. <sighs> Sorry to bring it down, but you know, I just had to make sure we got that out because I was just like, what in the heck? Um, well, I'm actually going to bring you down and uh, possibly upset you because I'm really sorry. No! Um, <laughs> yeah, so we weren't recording for the first 10 minutes. Ah! Oh, no, that's not so bad. I thought you meant uh, Okay. okay. <laughs> no. Um, no, just I'm just... Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I had... Um, I guess when I put my new headphone in, it stopped recording. Okay. My bad. But I wrote down a list of things that we talked about. Oprah, Golden Globes, Fire and Fury. And then we went right into the – I picked up right when you started talking about the H&M thing. Okay. So we need to do the whole intro again. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You ready? Yeah. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.